This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the passage that we missed when we, uh, we've gone right through uh, 1 John. Uh, John's first letter, uh, but this is the passage we missed. It, it, uh, it happened when uh, Simon was going to be on his last sermon and he chose to preach from Acts instead of from this passage. So this will complete the series on John's first letter. John the Apostle of Love, writing to the churches that he loved on behalf of all the apostles to make their joy complete, and in the first four verses, he established his credibility as an eyewitness to Jesus. He then thunders in with aggressive and unparliamentary words. Lie. Truth is not in us. Liar. Liar. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. And in following verses, he says, basically, if you say one thing and do another, you're a liar. If you say you don't sin, you never did sin, just add lying to your list. If you say you know Jesus as Lord, but disobey him, you're a liar. Why does John, the apostle of love, 
gets so stuck into his readers with aggressive words, lies and liar. I'll let that question just hang for a moment, a moment of light relief. And I'll try pressing this button and see what happens. Liar, liar, that's what the sermon's about. Anybody know this fella? It's not a buffalo or a bison. I'm a gnu. Spelled G-N-U. What's the next bit? You really ought to know who's who. <laughs> what about this one? It looks a bit similar, doesn't he? I'm a gnu. A another gnu. I'd really like to gnash my teeth at you. Now, the reason I'm talking about gnus is because I'm about to move on to gnostics. Another word that starts with G and N. Now really, it should be new and gnostic. So the, the new can go. Gnostics were people who claimed personal spiritual knowledge. Or if you like, Gnostics were people who claimed personal spiritual knowledge. Gnostics claimed special divine knowledge. Gnostics were at large around and about from the first century preaching false doctrine, falsehood, lies. They claimed divine revelation, special knowledge. And what was that knowledge? In essence, it was this. God and man were contrasted. God is entirely spirit and good. Man's body is matter. It's therefore evil. Spirit is good. Matter is evil. They preached the idea that our souls are good and our flesh is bad. Salvation of the soul is the escape from the body, achieved not uh, by faith in Christ, but by special knowledge, which had been revealed to them. It doesn't matter how we behave, they said, because our body was going to be destroyed no matter what, and our spirit or soul would remain uncontaminated, sinless, and be saved. Catch that? Your body's sin is not your soul's fault. It's not my fault. My body did that. My body did that, but my soul is innocent. And right now my soul is on trial, so you have to acquit me, right? I'm sure no judge would accept that defense. The revelation they claimed, where did it come from? From the Old Testament? Well, you'd have to twist it a bit to get to what they were, what they were preaching. Certainly not from the apostles. It's designer theology. They made it up. You can see the attraction. I can do what I like. I can behave though my life uh, through my life just as I like. My sins do not belong to me, they belong to my body. 
they will die with my body, my soul is saved. Tell people what they want to hear and they might be inclined to believe it. It happens. It's not my fault. I'm doing fine. The Gnostics are no more. But you may have heard the lie. If you believe it, it's true for you. Gnosticism is still around to tempt us. What we choose to believe is the most important life choice. We can see why John is so assertive. He specifically strikes at the lack of morality. Resisting sin, confession of sin, when we fail, doing things God's way, honestly, are a must-have. There is anger in his letter of love. His attacks were aimed at the Gnostics. But in writing to the churches in this way, we can assume he was very worried that their teaching was infiltrating the Christian church. John wrote his first letter with two basic promises in mind. One, to expose false teachers. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. The other purpose, also important, I will mention briefly later. Liars. John describes the Christian life as fellowship with the Father and the Son. Those who claim to have fellowship with God, who is altogether light, and yet themselves walk in the dark, are lying. The lesson is very simple, and we all see it in many different places. If you say one thing and do another, you're a liar. One who says, I know God, and yet does not keep God's commandments, is a liar. Here John is laying down the blunt truth that the man who practices, um, whose practice does not fit his profession, is a liar. And that the woman who says one thing with her lips, but another with her life, is a liar. The man who contradicts his claims by his living is a liar. John is not thinking of the man who tries his hardest and who yet often fails, or the woman who genuinely loves Jesus Christ, who is bitterly conscious that her life is very far from showing the love which she feels. A very bad musician may yet be passionately in love with music, and I'm looking this way and certainly not that. That was a quote from H.G. Wells. I didn't make it up. We can be very conscious of our failures and yet be passionately in love with Christ and the way of Christ. John is thinking of the man who makes the highest possible claims to godly knowledge and to spirituality and who yet deliberately allows himself things which he knows are forbidden. The woman who professes to love Christ, who yet deliberately disobeys him, is guilty of a lie. Confession. 
verses 8 and 10 say this, and I'm missing out 9 for the moment. 8 and 10 say this, if you say you don't sin, yet you never did sin, you're a liar. I've saved the, uh, the best till last. Let's be honest with ourselves through his word. God tells us we are sinners and we know it. We are sinners. So saving the best till last is verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all the unrighteousness. Not only does God forgive all the sins we truly confess, he purifies, removes all contamination, no matter what, every last bit. Purify my heart. My heart's desire is to be holy, clean, forgiven, like I'd never done anything wrong. What a privilege to confess and be forgiven like that, fully. That provision and privilege cost Jesus and his Father dearly. We call it the atoning sacrifice. Denying that Jesus is the Christ is a lie. John says, I wrote this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus suffered and died for us, for our sins. Obedience. John says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Obedience to God is the hallmark of a believer. It shows the seriousness of our discipleship. God's love for the believer becomes complete when it moves the believer to acts of obedience. The question this first part of John's letter asks and answers is this, how can we be honest with God and with ourselves? John's answer, walking in the light. He speaks of walking in the light, the only way to salvation and eternal life. It means rejecting the ways of the Gnostics and the worldly wise. It means living morally, resisting sin, confessing sin, accepting Christ's sacrifice. For our sins, Jesus suffered and died, and we must accept that as a gift from God. Those who say otherwise are liars.
Walking in the light is walking with Jesus. In the light, as Jesus always walks in the light. Live as Jesus did. It means knowing him. Having moral likeness to him through knowing Jesus personally. The emphasis is not on lists of do's and don'ts, but of relationship with Jesus. Confession of sin. He sees what we do. Let's not pretend that he doesn't. Knowing Jesus Christ suffered and died for us and why. Knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. That is, we can complete our love for him only through acts of obedience. John established his credibility as an eyewitness to Jesus as opposed to the people teaching each other weird stuff. Walking in the light leads to both purposes of his letter. I mentioned earlier John wrote this letter with two basic purposes in mind. One, to expose false teachers. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. The other one, to give believers assurance of salvation. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Summing up this first part of John's first letter, walking in the light with Jesus leads us to knowing him. And our love for God will be made complete. And it leads definitely, inevitably, and absolutely to eternal life. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. We'd better walk the walk. Walk in the light. Amen.